this time I've got it Isaiah, right? That's how you say yeah. it. That is how you say it. All right. Well, Isaiah, I am uh, very pleased to hear your report that um, that the practice is working for you. So continue on. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's good. And I've also uh, I I've been keeping in mind that one liner from the Buddha, how friendship is the whole Dhamma. And um, and I've kind of also been waking up more to kind of how unfriendly and I guess unnurturing the the critical mind could be. And um, it's also been like more of the the just even on a more subtle level that the inclinations of um, of interacting with the world like it's now become a game like how how much skillful can i be to to be a better friend to my family to to other people to the to the people i just see in the day-to-day um who i don't know and um and it's been a lot easier to to kind of see see those things because before when I feel like looking inside or turning into the body or turning into the mind or turning into the feelings, those were scary because they were kind of dukkha riddled. But now that the dukkha is so much more or less, it's so much easier to kind of see things and tweak it. And it's a lot more fun. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yes. That's when people first start out, they start out with, um, let us say, the ordinary mind is subject to dukkha it comes up on a regular basis and in the process of the beginning of the practice removing the hindrances is the very first job which means until we can remove the hindrances we've got crap to look at yeah (laughs) and we don't like it in fact we never have liked it that's why we've always avoided it and um, many people will be very creative and how they deal with dukkha and almost always it winds up blaming someone else or blaming something else for it yeah and then that's going to prevent us from being able to actually do something about it when we've already labeled it is it's bad and it's their fault mm-hmm. and i'm a victim is the next uh feeling but it's not actually a thought if people would have that thought and see that thought, they might rebel against it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the but the um, the mind moments that we spend as a victim aren't are often not discursive thoughts; they're feeling thoughts. Yeah. And then we don't. Then we want to avoid those. Look at them. Okay. So the point, though, is is that once we remove the hindrances and start applying the mind to the wholesome and sustaining the mind into the wholesome, then that means then that what we have to look at is now wholesome. Yeah. Before when there were hindrances, it was all unwholesome. Somebody else's fault. Oh, poor me. Why? Why me? Have you ever heard that expression? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Yeah, in here and out there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Why did this happen to me? So 
that's um, the unwholesome thoughts uh, that are associated with other unwholesome thoughts. So when we get rid of those hindrances, when we're able to remove them, now something has changed dramatically. And that is, is that everything there is to look at now is wholesome. Now, that's an important point to recognize that everything that there is to look at now, the hindrances are removed, is all wholesome. Mm-hmm. Which means now we can play with it. Yeah. Because it's all wholesome, it's not dangerous. Mm. And so it takes a long time for that feeling system to change. It's almost like that when we begin to feel good, uh, in some way, some people don't even like it. They don't want to feel good because it's not normal. It's not natural. Yeah. That they would rather wallow in self-pity and misery because they're that's what they're used to. Mm-hmm. And others find it difficult to practice because they've already determined that it's all already somebody else's fault. Why should I bother to try to do anything to make myself feel better when it's their fault anyway? Yeah. These people sometimes get labeled with the uh, diagnostic label of sociopath or psychopath or um, narcissist, something like that. But that's almost kind of like missing the point. The real point is um, that underside, they are victims. And yet on the outside, the sociopath appears to present himself as a a winner. Mm -hmm. Okay, an example of this is Donald Trump. Donald Trump presents himself as a winner He's going to take care of everything. He's the one uh, who's going to do the retributions. That's the latest thing that he says now. And mm-hmm. yet, it doesn't take long to recognize, oh, no, he's not coming from a place of strength. He's coming mm-hmm. from a place of profound weakness. But the clientele who listen to him also see themselves in a state of profound weakness. And since I'm a loser and I can't help myself, let me get this loser to help me because he says he will. <laughs> and yet everything yeah. about him is a is loser. OK, so these are things that prevent people from actually able to practice. Yeah. But once you start practicing, you begin to recognize, oh, wait a minute. There's no one to blame. I've been doing this to myself all along. Yeah. And now I don't have to do it to myself, at least not when I remember that I don't have to do it to myself. Yeah, (laughs) the remembering. Mm -hmm. And so also you made the point about friendship. Really, that's um, a good focus for Westerners to have because um, the focus about Buddhism seems to all be about meditation. Mm-hmm. And if anybody's interested in Buddhism, they got to go meditate, okay? Yeah. And um, uh, while meditation has some value and advantage, mm-hmm. you're not ever going to get anywhere with just meditation alone, especially if it's not correct practice. Yeah. 
and the correct practices is to make friends with yourself. That's what the meditation is all about. And in fact, the word meditation, uh, from the very get-go, before it ever was applied to Buddhism, it still had the position of the meditator is a victim to whoever he's sucking up to, the cosmos, a god, whatever like that, you know. Um, yeah. uh, uh, have you ever heard of George um, uh, Carlin? Yes, he's, okay. he's really funny. <laughs> yes, well, not only is he funny, but the funniness is also spot on correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that when jokes are not funny, and generally it's because they're either wrong or they hurt someone. Yeah. But with George, what he's talking about there, um, with meditation and prayer, he talks about it in the sense that you want God to change his plan, God's plan. I mean, he's been doing that plan forever, and here you come along and want him to change his plan. Right? Yeah. Okay, so that's the whole point then of uh, that kind of practice is, is that we want something from the practice. In other words, I put in my meditation hours. Where's the reward? What do I get out of it? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is meditation is the wrong word to use. Yeah. In fact, practice would be a better word to use. Um, and that um, another thing that I find kind of amusing is is that actually what we're doing is is the Eightfold Noble Path. That's what we're practicing. Yeah. Right. The, uh, the the bits and pieces of the Eightfold Noble Path. Um, we we start with right view. In fact, mm-hmm. if somebody doesn't have at least a little bit of right view, they're not even going to start. Yeah. So we have to start perhaps with the idea that um, something in here needs to be investigated and tweaked. And that almost all of the meditations have to do with something out there is broken and it needs to be tweaked, and I can't do it. I got to go get help. Yeah. Well, a lot of people then can turn that around and say something's broken in here, and I can't fix it, and I need help. This is where psychologists and, and pill pushers call doctors and all of that kind of stuff comes in, is because yeah. we still have that victim's mentality of I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And and it's almost always I won't. Mm-hmm. I, I won't look at it because if, yeah. I, if I do look at it, I might have to own it. I might have to recognize I may dismiss. <laughs> but it's so much better when you realize that you could fix it because then it's no big deal. <laughs> Because then there's no big deal. That's the whole idea of it is, is that it never was a big deal. So long as we want somebody else to fix it, then the big deal is I can't, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't. Yeah. But when we keep practicing, the whole part of the practice is I can, 
do this. I can take the right effort. It really is mostly an attitude change. Yeah. But the attitude can't change until our skill set changes. For sure. So um, I can't play the piano and I've got proof because I can't play. But if I pick up one little simple piece and learn to play that, now that's proof positive I can play the piano. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then we can do that with the mind. I can't, I can't, I can't. And I've seen people stuck in that for a long period of time. And the amazing thing is, is that they keep coming back. They keep coming back because they're beginning to understand that they can. They can yeah. make a change. And so uh, that right view of recognizing that something's wrong and it's my problem, that begins to get us into the second noble truth. But in fact, that's something that's never stated. When people learn the four noble truths, it's mm-hmm. often like a sing-songy kind of way, like they're getting just enough information to be able to pass a, um, uh, uh, a multiple choice exam. Yeah. But not enough to learn to um, actually write an essay. And and Mm. one of the important qualities of the second noble truth, in fact, within Buddhism, the second noble truth winds up being the one most discussed and the one um, where a lot of literature is spent. And in fact, the five aggregates and uh, the Paticca Samuppada, all of that teaching is about the second noble truth so that people really do come to understand that it's their own ignorance that prevents them mm-hmm. from being able to see that they did this. <laughs> Everybody's responsible 100% for the problems mm-hmm. that you're going to have right now. Yeah. And, 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 and I, so go ahead. Uh, no, it's, it's funny you say that because I started reading one of Bhikkhu Bharadasa's books, The Scene with the Eye of the Dhamma, and I, I start reading it and then I was like, oh, I should close the book and actually practice this, <laughs> see where it takes me. <laughs> like, because uh, um, before the inclination was to be very conceptual and, and read up about everything, um, but if that had gotten me anywhere, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. So, um, the Dhamma, I was like, I, I need, like, it became even more clear that it just needs to get practiced over and over and over again, because, mm-hmm. uh, because I could get caught up in the literature or and all that stuff. I know that's something that you could say that Western, modern Western education does to us. Is, is that all of the teachers and all of the principals and all of the aunts and uncles and everybody, they keep talking about how you're doing in school and all of that kind of stuff in the sense of information. The more you have, the better off you are. Yeah. And yet, there's a limit to that. Mm-hmm. So instead of teaching the students um, what they really need to know, they teach it in the sense of more and more and more and more. 
it's it's almost like that we're um, out of let's say mining and we come across a really good diamond mm. what do we do with that beautiful diamond or maybe it's a diamond in the rough but it's there as a, um, the item what do we yeah. do? we put it in our bag and we keep looking for more for more <laughs> and when we find another one we put that in the bag and we keep looking Mm-hmm. Another example would be walking down the beach. Mm-hmm. And that uh, even um, popular beaches, still there's new stuff walking up, washing up on the beach. And so the people who don't who want to do what they call beach combing mm-hmm. will go early in the day. But there's also the possibility of a deserted beach where nobody goes very much and then there's all kinds of stuff. So now we start walking down the beach and we find this little bobble and that little shell and this and that. We begin to fill up our pockets. So mm-hmm. we take our shirt off and make a bag out of the the, uh, uh, the shirt, and we still keep picking up shells. Oh, this one's beautiful, and put it in the bag. Oh, this is beautiful, and we put it in the bag. And pretty soon, we've got a great big bag of shells that we're tearing around. It's a lot of work. Better to just drop it and lay down and enjoy the sun. Yeah, and instead, I mean, how many shells are out there on the beach? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we could pick up this sand dollar and actually commune with it, get really in touch with it, inspect it closely. Mm-hmm. So this is the way that we should, in fact, um, um, approach the Buddha's dhamma, is that it's not more and more and more and more. That there's very, very little to the actual teaching of the Buddha. In fact, one of the conversations I had with Dhamma Bhitu, you mentioned the eye of the uh, the Dhamma. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, Dhamma Bhitu, my friend, he only lives about 20 miles from here. But it's a tough swim. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyway, uh, in a conversation I had with him, he made the point that the Dhamma is very simple. There's mm-hmm. almost very little or nothing to it, which then brings in jokes about there's nothing to it, you know. Yeah. You ain't seen nothing yet and all of that, uh, the jokes about Sunyata, but it's, that's the case. That when, mm-hmm. when we are victims, when we have the victim mentality, then we feel overwhelmed by things, even the Dhamma. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so much to it. Yeah. Right? And in fact, um, then we'll read a Dhamma book like this new one that we have here, and, and people want something out of it. So they start reading and pouring and changing, turning pages and trying to get something more and more and more out of it. But you've got mm-hmm. the right idea. Oh, no, let's get just the basic point and do it. Practice yeah. it. Yeah, it's sort of like the whole world of music. I mean, how many different pieces of music are there? More than we could count. 
and yet what do what do we need to do when we're learning to play music is practice a scale practice something yeah. little practice a little song over and over and over again mm-hmm. instead of work, yeah. uh, instead of uh, because in fact i fell into that that was a basic mistake that i made when i was in high school um in fact, a lot of towns in the South were like this. I found this uh, out more when I got a little bit older. But upon reflection, those, the little towns in South Carolina, before we had television, music was the thing. And every church had organs and pianos and all of that kind of stuff. And so um, there was kind of a community of people mm-hmm. who were learning to play the piano and there was all this literature so this guy was doing chopin and that one guy's doing rachmaninoff and this guy's doing gershwin and you know uh back mm-hmm. and forth like that and here i am i want it all yeah i want it all and because of that i spent far too much time practicing p- pieces of music that i could not play could not ever play yeah. Instead of practicing music that I could play and get some entertainment out of it. Okay. And I see that exactly that same thing happening with meditation practice. That's especially the Mahasi method. Yeah. I only heard about all that stuff after seeing your videos. I'm so glad I kind of, I was fortunate enough to see your videos first <laughs> before I even got exposed to anything else. Cause I was like, whoa, I, Saved myself so much dukkha <laughs> mm-hmm. from from just hearing the other people talk. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's almost really. like back in the 1930s that you learned to play a piece of music from your uncle or somebody like that before you ever heard the radio. Because once mm. you hear the radio, now there's so much there. There's so much to yeah. it. Okay. Um, that we could basically then go back and say, well, music is like that. It's very, very simple. Mm-hmm. You have tempos, cadence, and rhythm, and frequencies. That's, that's all there yeah. is to music, mm-hmm. is uh, 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 the, the notes, the chords, the chord changes, the sequence of events for the chord changes, and the rhythm of the tempo that you play that. And when we can understand music this way, then it all becomes very simple. Yeah. I remember when I was a teenager having so much trouble following the score, especially if it was a score for an orchestra, because you've got all of these things with all of these instruments, and you got to follow all of this stuff and then follow all of that stuff, and it was very easy to get lost. Mm-hmm. From now, for some reason, I don't have any trouble following the score at all. In fact, I know exactly what's going on with it. And the reason for it was is that I changed it from um, the concept that, oh, this is all so very complicated, and I have to keep track of all of these various instruments and all that they're doing and everything, and mm-hmm. began to look at it from a different perspective. And that is the meter or the rhythm. You've got to keep moving. You can't stop and say, what was that? Because if you do, it's gone. It's moving. Mm-hmm. And you so just got to know how to play the notes and keep up <laughs> and keep up. Exactly. 
All right. Well, that analogy then can be done with the mind also. Mm-hmm. It's just just watch. Just keep up. Just keep watching. Keep noting. Keep looking. And uh, from time to time, we make a change. We change it from mm-hmm. the unwholesome to the wholesome. It's yeah. a very, very simple practice. Yeah, it's almost so simple, it's hard to appreciate at first. Um, I remember trying to, I I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll meditate and then I'll get some realization and then everything will change. But then I realized, no, I just have to keep doing it. <laughs> That's it. Keep looking, keep taking, keep investigating, keep taking the right effort to make the change, uh, practice the skills of generating pity, sukha, um, feeling calm and secure and safe and just over and over and over and over and over again. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Easy peasy. And things will just become clear and clear as the smoke kind of settles down mm-hmm. from the past. Well, basically what that means is, is that things will settle down when we stop stirring. Yeah. So long as we're stirring our own pot, things mm-hmm. don't settle out in the layers that, uh, so that we can see it. So we really have to stop stirring. And one mm-hmm. of the ways that people are stirring is by wanting something from it. Yeah. Um, an example that you just mentioned, by the way, is quite interesting. And that is, is that people want insights. I mean, they've heard of Vipassana. They've heard of insight meditation. All right, I'm sitting here. Where's my insight? <laughs> yeah. I'm doing the right thing, Mr. Meditation Master in the Sky. Give me my reward. Do mm-hmm. for me what I want. Okay, so this is very characteristic of the, the practice for mm-hmm. the beginners. But the real way of doing it is just watching each thought with the idea, are you satisfied with this thought? Does this thought make you satisfied or not? And generally, they don't, but we can tweak them so that they will. Yeah. An example would be, oh, I've got to write the boss an email. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting on the other side of the room or the other side of the house, the computer's not on, and I'm thinking about writing an email. Yeah, there's no good. Okay. No need to do that, mm-hmm. um, especially if we don't want to do it. And we don't want to do it because we're not at the computer writing that email. Mm-hmm. So we really don't want to write the email. If we yeah. really did want to write the email, we'd be there at the computer writing it. So here we are, mm-hmm. not at the computer, thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And it's... And we're thinking of it in the sense of, I've got to do it. Yeah. Which puts us back into the victim's position. It's silly because it's like, well, if I do it, then something will change or I'll feel better or the situation or the problem I made in my mind will be solved. Um, But that's just not true. Like, we just make the problems, we make the stress, and we could choose just not to do that mm-hmm. so thinking it, about that email and not doing the email is stressful yeah 
So we have one of two choices. One is to go do the email, which may or may not be stressful. Or we can stop thinking about the email. And now that's not stressful because we're not doing it. Yeah. So that's what we need to learn is to change our our frame of reference or our relationship to our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Rather than seeing the email as something that I've got to do, recognizing that email is just a thought right now. And I've got yeah. complete control over my thoughts and I can think the way that I want to think. Mm-hmm. And so the practice winds up being very simple. It's a simple practice. We must mm-hmm. do it over and over and over and over again because of the habits that we've already developed. Mm-hmm. Which it's, is a habit of doing. Go ahead. Yeah. And at first, when I heard you mention that, even before I, before the practice became much smoother, I used to think, well, that sounds a lot of ro- like a lot of work. There's so many mind moments, but it's, it's well, that's all you have to do. Like, like that, that's it. That's the that's the that's the key to open paradise right there. Like that's that's it. Like, <laughs> like it. You don't you don't have to do anything. If someone told you like, oh, here's this easy thing you have to do, and it just gets better <laughs> if you feel good. Um, you got to start watching life and watching the show and and feeling great. And that's all you have to do. It's like only yeah. It's like what? <laughs> why? Why would it be work? It, it's a. It's like a gift. It's a toy. It's 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 awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. The reality is being stuck in the dukkha. That's the work. Yeah. The it work is. is having to put up with um, being victimized by all of those things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we get things backwards. This is actually a really good understanding of the ignorance. It's because we keep seeing things the wrong way. We think it's hard when, in fact, it's easy. We think it's somebody else, and in fact, it's us. Now, we can actually understand that we did get that stuff from someone else. Every child picks up a whole bunch of stuff from their parents. But the kid was the one who picked it up. Yeah. The parents just laid it out there. No one to blame. One of us kids is the ones who picked that stuff up and we pick it up ignorantly. When we're really young, we don't have the discernment to figure out what's wholesome or not. And actually, most adults never figure out what's wholesome and what's not. But when we start this simple practice, then, in fact, many, many students keep asking, well, what's wholesome and what's not wholesome? And I have to confess, well, that's a skill that each one of us has to develop, is the discernment of what's wholesome and what's not wholesome. But we have a um, sort of a set of guidelines for folks to figure mm-hmm. out. that if we're thinking about the past or the future, the likelihood is, is that it's unwholesome. Mm-hmm. And if we're thinking about right now, the likelihood is, is that it's wholesome. Yeah. And when thoughts like do come up about the past, 
they don't sting when you feel good. So you got to just see them for what they were and then just be like, okay, never mind. <laughs> He's gone. Gone, yeah. Yeah, the past is gone. And so there's no reason to think about the past. Now, here's something a lot of, also a lot of students get confused about, and that is the distinctions between the skills that we picked up in the past and mm-hmm. the feelings that we picked up in the past. The mm-hmm. skills that we pick up in the past can be useful. An example yeah. of that is in the Mahasi method, the students do pick up a couple of good skills, remembering to look and to note. Those are good skills to pick up, but they yeah. don't generally pick up the skill also of making the change of the right effort. Mm-hmm. And then the change of the attitude into the congratulations or into the friendship. And so mm-hmm. we do develop some skills uh, with the method, but the complete skill set has to do with sati to wake up, to take a look, mm-hmm. to make a change, and to celebrate. These yeah. items are all on the Eightfold Noble Path. Mm-hmm. And when we do those four things, the fifth thing naturally arises. And what is that? The unification of mind. Yeah. For instance, when the mind is not unified, then we'll tell ourselves, oh, you should do this. Oh, you should do that. You should write that email. And then the child inside says, I don't want to. I'll do it yeah. later. I don't want to. Okay, so that's the crowd inside. But when the thoughts are wholesome and the attitude is wholesome, we can say, oh, I can take care of that later. No problem. No problem. And the, um, uh, the, the critical parent then turches, turns to nurture. Yeah, we can do it later. No problem. And so that unification of mind actually is what the goal of the Eightfold Noble Path is. They call it Sama Area Samati. But really what it means is well-organized mindset. A little um, uh, silly analogy would be taking an alarm clock and Mm -hmm. taking it apart and cleaning all of the gears, oiling them up and setting them back into place correctly so that this old alarm clock begins to function correctly. That's samadhi. But a lot of people say, oh, no, we want to concentrate the mind. Well, to that is like taking that old uh, piece of clock and taking Mm -hmm. a sledgehammer to it. And we're going to get that thing concentrated. We may not get it to function, but at least we're going to get it into a small space. Yeah. Okay. So, go ahead. I was like, one thing that I've noticed is when it does feel unified and there's no critical, there's there's no arguing or there's no philosophizing in the in the head it's it's um it's just a lot more just peaceful and nice and there's just not much left that's going on and and it and it's like even more of a kind of like a duh that like (laughs) going around and doing things to to just just uh like you said, stirs up the pot. <laughs> it's just, it's funny. 
It's like there there should be like a little disclaimer, like the dukkha is optional. All the all the chatter, all that is just optional. <laughs> Not a part of life. Yes, that's right. It really is optional. Yeah. But we were taught. We were given dukkha. When mommy fusses mm-hmm. at the at her daughter, she's actually saying, I want you to feel bad. And so the child will tear up and start to cry and say, I'm sorry, which means I'm proving to you that I am feeling bad the way you want me to feel bad. Yeah. And so that dukkha is actually trained into us. Yep, that, that's become kind of apparent too. <laughs> and so we have to train ourselves back out of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, the the puppy is um is jumping all over me. <laughs> um, no problem. I've got one of those right here in in my hand. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you intended, but the video's been off this whole time. Um, so, no, yeah. I hadn't intended that. Uh, my video is on. Shall oh. I check this? Oh, there so, we go. All right. Yeah, should have mentioned it sooner. All I did was turn the video off and on. It looked like it was working here. I mean, the camera's been on and working. So, um, thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I was like, it didn't bother me. I, I just enjoy listening. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway, Isaiah, congratulations mm-hmm. that you're yeah. getting it. A lot of students, it takes a long time to figure out that it's actually very simple, but it has to be done over and over and over again. And when the thoughts are wholesome, it's delightful. It is. It's, it's fun. It's a fun toy to play with. It is. It's even more fun to wake up over and over again because you're just waking up to just, just bubbly good feelings. <laughs> what a treat. So that's good. Congratulations. Keep practicing. Keep practicing. I will. That how much information I give you is not so important is can you keep practicing? Can you keep remembering to do it? Yep. Damarado and the video won't won't take me out of Duca. <laughs> no, I can't do it. All right here. All you could do is point, and I appreciate those pointers. Excellent. Excellent. All right, well, we'll see you later. We'll see you we'll soon. Be. Keep see practicing. Soon. Keep doing we'll it. And everything will be all right. Everything actually okay. is already all right. We're just figuring that out. <laughs> yeah. All right, then, Damrata. Okay. Have a good one. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye.